So dads, happy Father's Day. We honor you and celebrate you today. And uh, man, it is, a, it is a special day. And, and uh, that, that, that little fun, you know, kind of intro is, is hopefully a strange means of encouraging you that if you don't know how to unfold an umbrella stroller, you are not alone. Okay, if you've ever broken the eggs uh, on your way home from Publix, you are not alone. So sometimes, you know, as a father, uh, you have to learn to do some things that do not come just naturally to you. Uh, we're, all, we're all in that together. Uh, my wife just stopped sending me to the store years ago uh, for two reasons. Number one, it takes me forever. I don't even know where stuff is, right? And the second thing is, things would just accidentally fall in my cart as I'm moving through the aisles. Dads, I don't know if this ever happened to you. Like double stuffed Oreos and Bluebell ice cream. And the, the freezer doors literally at times will just open. You know how they have the automatic lights now. And sometimes the doors will just open and the ice cream will fall out into my cart. And so I've gotten a lot of trouble over the years for stuff like that, dads. I'm sure you have too, but... Uh, we need you. We need uh, dads in our lives. And uh, I'm grateful for my father. And, uh, and I know you guys uh, are grateful for yours. And uh, so I hope you all have a great day today. And, you know, one of the things about being a dad that is, uh, that, that's challenging is, you know, you, you, you end up having to say and do things at times that you don't want to have to say and do. <laughs> like, I don't know if any of you had this experience. Um, we, we've had some crazy ER trips. Like we took one of our kids to the ER one time because our child had a popcorn kernel stuck in his ear. I know what you're thinking. How? I happen to be thinking the same thing because I wasn't with my child when that happened. I was thinking about this morning. I was like, yeah, maybe somebody can relate to that. And I was thinking about it. It's been years ago. I actually honestly don't remember how it happened. And if you're a parent here today, it's the hardest job in the world. Sometimes things happen. You don't know how they happen. If you've ever had to say things to your kids, you know, telling them not to do certain things, things that you never thought you'd have to tell another human being, you know, don't stick the pencil up your nose, Right. Get the popcorn kernel out of your ear. You know, things like this. And uh, part of being a good parent is actually having to say and do some things that are, are difficult. Um, so sometimes you have to say some hard things to your children because they need to hear them. You have to do some hard things, right? Um, you have to hold your kids down when they're getting uh, a shot that they need or they're getting stitches or something. And, and so, so, so being a father is at times about saying and doing some hard things that you prefer not to say or do. There are times you have to point out what's wrong. You, you have to teach, you have to train, you have to discipline. Those, those are not the fun aspects of parenting. But, but here's what's true. Good dads, we know this, good dads point out the bad, not just for the sake of pointing out the bad, but highlighting the good. Right? There, there's a reason as parents... That we, that we spend time with corrective teaching and discipline, acknowledging or highlighting or pointing out what's wrong, it's so ultimately we can direct our children to what is right. And sometimes in order to get your children to what's right, you have to spend some time addressing 
what's wrong. You see, the negative is never ultimately about the negative. It's about moving to the positive. And that's one of the more difficult aspects of being a father. And in fact, it's, it's, it's really one of the more difficult aspects of being a human. <laughs> when you have to have a hard conversation or you have to confront someone or, or, or you have to um, maybe be on the receiving end of a hard conversation. You know, to be human is such that, that no one enjoys these types of interactions, but, but they are necessary. Sometimes you have to point out the wrong in order to move someone to what's right. And we're in a teaching series on the life of Jonah. And today what we're going to see is, is that Jonah is going to have a hard conversation with the people where he's going to point out what's wrong so that he can ultimately move them to what's right. And, and here's the thing. I hope you'll be encouraged in this today that, that when we look at the life of Jonah, I think there's a lesson here, not just for dads, but for all of us, that, that, that sometimes in life you have to spend time addressing the bad in order to get to the good. Understanding what's wrong so that you can move to what's right. And, and that's actually Jonah's strategy as he shares the gospel with the people who desperately need it. And it's going to seem a little strange to us because... If we were to put a little gospel track together of, of Jonah's presentation to the city of Nineveh, um, it, it would not be very positive. <laughs> First of all, it would just be a little one-page track. <laughs> there wouldn't be a whole lot to it. And then what we would see is not what we would expect to see, especially in our culture. And, and so we need to lean into what God's doing through Jonah here. I think, I think there's much we can take away from it. And it all centers around this key takeaway. We're looking at Jonah, his life, his failures. He's running from God. God's going to point him now back in the right direction where he needs to be to take the gospel to these people, the Assyrian people located in their capital city of Nineveh. And, and so if you're taking notes, here's what I want you to see. Today. Everything's going to kind of hinge on this, that God does his perfect work through imperfect people. And this is kind of, you know, if you've been tracking with us the past couple of weeks, it's kind of crazy because Jonah, the runaway prophet, the man who said, God, I'm not doing what you want me to do. The man who literally tried to get to the complete opposite side of the world. The man who was swallowed by a fish, spit out. The man who, um, like, like, like the, the entire time is just, just, just struggling with the idea that he's going to take a message uh, that, that, that could lead to salvation for these ruthless, violent Assyrian people, this man now is going to be recommissioned and sent back. And it's an encouragement to us that God does his perfect work through imperfect people. And that's definitely an encouragement to me. I hope it's an encouragement to you that our God works in the world in such a way that he uses imperfect people to accomplish his perfect will. And that's exactly what we see with Jonah. We're going to be in chapter 3 today. And I, I want you to see here just kind of... At the beginning of this chapter, that 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 God does a work here in in Jonah's life. He recommissions him to do what initially he had commissioned him to do, but Jonah did not do. And of course, we saw the ordeal with 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 the the consequences of his rebellion. He's swallowed by a fish. He's he's um, in that belly of the fish three days and three nights. He 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 becomes repentant, like. 
sad that it took that, right? (laughs) But Jonah gets there. And then look at verse 1 of of Jonah 3. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message that I have given to you. And so look at the difference now between chapter 3 and chapter 1. This time, verse 2, excuse me, verse 3, this time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh a city so large that it took three days to see it all. Now, now here's what's so cool about this. Jonah, after running from God, after being swallowed by the fish, being there three days, three nights, spit out now on dry ground. And, and maybe, just maybe Jonah thought, okay, all right, God, I've repented. I've turned back to you. I've owned what I did. Now we can move on. Maybe, just maybe Jonah was thinking, okay, he was good to go now. You know, he wasn't going to have to go to Nineveh. Um, he learned his lesson. He's, he's going to honor the Lord now and he's good to go. And of course, the call of God came on Jonah a second time. God wasn't done with Jonah. And God wasn't done with Nineveh. And I love how, 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 how the scripture says that, that the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. I can only imagine what's going through Jonah's mind when the Lord recommissions him to go to Nineveh. Maybe he was thinking, I'm not doing that. <laughs> okay, God, I'll do it. <laughs> you know, like no doubt Jonah now, he, he knows he's going to go. He tried to get to the other side of the world. That was unsuccessful, wildly unsuccessful. Now he's going to do what God wants him to do. And so he gets up, he goes to the great city of Nineveh and he's gonna deliver the message that God gave to him. And and we see here again, God doing his perfect work through imperfect people. And, 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 And let me just give you a little bit of encouragement here. This is good news for Jonah and for you. Our God is a God of second chances. Aren't you glad for that today? God is a God of second chances. And, and this is good news for Jonah because God's not done with Jonah. And it's good news for you and me because we should see ourselves in Jonah. It's easy to, to look at Jonah and see this kind of radical disobedience and his running from God and you know, see that he's a prophet and he's not going to carry a prophetic message. That is his job after all. It's easy to look at this and see only Jonah. I just want you to look at this and see yourself because let me ask you this. How many times in your life have you struggled with sin and selfishness where the Holy Spirit's brought conviction? You've promised to change. You've said you're never going to do it again. You've had a season of your life where you've just kind of turned away from the Lord and done things your own way. You've had moments where you lean into your selfishness and your pride, but yet God continues to pursue you and God continues to forgive you and God continues to sustain you. It's easy to look at Jonah and just see Jonah. I think what we ought to see is a little bit of ourselves And we ought to just contemplate today afresh and anew the number of times where God through his Holy Spirit, maybe through the counsel of a a friend or a family member, maybe through confrontation, but maybe through some immediate path, God has confronted us, never been swallowed by a fish that I know of. I don't think any of us have that testimony. But if we think about it, there are times in our lives, many times, where we, like Jonah, are running the opposite direction. We're not leaning into God's conviction. We're living for ourselves. We're not following the prescribed will of God. But yet here we are today, still sustained by the presence and the grace and the mercy of God. 
You say, how is that possible? I'll tell you how it's possible because our God is a God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances. And here's what Jesus told us. I don't know that we think about this every day, but, but here's what Jesus said. I will never leave you or forsake you. We often think if he's never gonna leave us in terms of, okay, you know, from now until he returns or calls us home, the Lord is with us. Yes, that's true. The other side of that is he's never gonna turn his back on you, even though you deserve it. And I do too. He's gonna be with you until the end. He's not gonna forsake you, even though there are moments where you live for yourself. He's not gonna turn away from you, even though there are moments you seem to turn away from him. He is not going to give up on you, even though there are times where you feel like giving up. And so here's the thing, like Jonah, we can understand that our God is a God who works his perfect will through imperfect people. And he is a God who gives his people second chances. And we praise God for that. Jonah was the prodigal prophet. <laughs> And God, here's what's so cool. God actually shows Jonah the exact same grace he's about to show Nineveh. And you know what that tells us about our work in the world? All we are simply asked to do is to share with others what God has done for us. And, and it's interesting the way God works in Jonah's life. Before he gets into Nineveh, inside those city walls, to preach the message God's given him to preach, Jonah first experiences in a dramatic fashion that our God is a God of second chances. He's a God of grace. He's a God of mercy. And that's true for you. And that's true for me. So if you've been running from God today, I want you to know that God is patient and gracious and merciful and kind, not desiring for any to perish, but all to come to repentance. And there is no sin that you could commit short of outright rejecting and cursing Jesus and the power of his Holy Spirit that our God will not forgive. And he's a God of second chances. Let me tell you, last week, just what, what, God, what God did. Listen, we had people saved last week, multiple people saved last week, talking about coming to this God of grace and mercy and forgiveness. Listen, we had people saved last week who, who were in their teenage years. And we had, a, we had a brother saved last week who was 82 years old. We had, you saw the gentleman baptized this week, 92 years old. People baptized in their teenage years. Listen, it's never too late to come to Jesus. Right, it's never too late to experience his mercy. It's never too late to turn away from your sin and brokenness and turn to this God who loves you and gave his son for you. It's never too late. And there's two things that we saw in our baptisms today. Number one, that that fountain is cold. I don't know if you noticed that, but it's not heated. We thought, hey, it's June, it's Florida. You know, there's not that much water in there. We good to go. We were not good to go. And so every person who professed Christ today did so boldly. <laughs> and for those of you that back in the room who were baptized, we love you, we're for you. Uh, man, thank you. Thank you for uh, encouraging us today. <laughs> in the cold waters of God's grace. All right, the second thing we learned and we were encouraged with today is our God saves anyone and everyone who looks to him. As long as there is breath in your lungs, listen to me, it is not too late to live for Jesus. It's never too late. Our God has got a second chance. He works his perfect work 
in the world through imperfect people. He's got a second chance. Okay, secondly, here, here's, here's, here's how this work takes shape, okay? You see, the reality of bad news <laughs> drives people to the good news. Now, let me say something about our, about our um, witness in the world, okay? Kind, kind of going back to what I said in the beginning, you know, about being a dad. You got to sometimes say some hard things to get to the good things. It's never about the negative. It's about the positive. It's never about just leaning too heavily into what's wrong. It's about getting to what's right. Now, let, let me tell you something about this message we carry to the world today, okay? If we don't identify sin as sin, and if we don't in some form or fashion mirror the message of Jonah with the bad news, there will be no incentive for people to come to the good news. And we live in a world today that's all about the good news. And there are a lot of people who claim to be Christ followers who are only giving the good news, preaching a watered down gospel, telling people that they're okay. And here's what I want you to see Jonah doing. Jonah walking into this great city of Nineveh saying, you're not okay. And here's what I want you to hear me say today about our society. We are not okay. Our world is not okay. Our world is desperately broken. What's being pushed in our society is so often wicked and evil. I would even say demonic. And it's never okay to tell people that apart from Jesus, they're okay. We're not okay. And so God works his perfect will through imperfect people. He's a God of second chances. We praise him for that. But he's a God, listen to me, who's given us good news to share with the world. But that good news is only good news if people first understand the bad news. And let me show you the bad news that Jonah declares. Now, <laughs> it's, this, is, this is the part, again, it's kind of odd. You can imagine it's on a gospel track or something, okay? You're not going to see it in our day and time. It's, it's, a, it's an odd kind of thing. But I want you to see the method to the madness here. Okay, look at, look at verse 4. Uh, on the day that Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds. Now, this is a summary of his message. Of course, this is not every word he would have spoken. But this, this is the core of his message. This is how it's described for us, right? Look at this. Forty days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. Five words in the Hebrew language, eight in English. That's how his message is summarized. Nineveh, the God of Israel, the God of creation, the God who led our people, my people, to come out of Egypt on dry ground. This God, Nineveh, listen, has sent me to warn you, you have 40 days and his wrath is going to fall. 40 days and you will be destroyed. 40 days, the clock is ticking. And then if you look at verse 5, the people of Nineveh believed God's message. And from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. God began to work. In this violent, rebellious, horrific people that many of us would look at and think there's no way they could ever turn to God. They're turning to God. 
Let me ask you this. How are they turning to God? What's bringing them to the good news of God's grace? The reality that there's some bad news. Listen, there is no good news without bad news. And, and here's, here's what I want you to know today. The gospel is good news. If you're new to church, right, that's what, that's what the word gospel means. It's good news. Okay, we have good news. It is good news. We emphasize the good news. We dwell on the good news. We, we rejoice in the good news. We are not a bad news people. We are a good news people. But we understand that the good news is set in the context of some really, really bad news. And my fear for American evangelicalism is that we so emphasize the good that people aren't getting the bad. And people think that they're going to be okay just because God loves everybody. And, you know, if you do your best and try your hardest and believe uh, as, much, as best you can believe, you know, you're going to be okay. And I just want you to understand, you are not okay without turning from your sin and embracing the finished work of Jesus in your life. You are not okay without Jesus, right? That's the hope that we have. And here's where our world is headed. Okay, let me just kind of slip into Jonah here for a moment, all right? It ain't 40 days per se. I don't know how many days. But judgment is coming. And I don't say it with a smile. I say it with a very sober spirit. Judgment is coming. Jesus talked more about hell than he did heaven. Because if you don't understand the bad news, there'll never be an incentive to get to the good news. Here's the bad news. The impending judgment of Nineveh is the impending judgment that all of us faced. We don't need a watered-down gospel today that tells people how great they are and how, um, how they're okay. We need to tell people the truth. That all the wickedness in our world, the deviation from God's design, the pride, the corruption, the arrogance, all of these things are inviting all the more the wrath of God. This is what Paul says in Romans 1. The scripture says that God has set eternity in man's heart. All of us will live forever somewhere. Here's where we will live. Either in eternal punishment and torment or in eternal bliss and the life-giving presence of Jesus. You have two options. Your sin, your rebellion, your selfishness, your waywardness, all that's reflected in the broken world today is inviting the wrath of God is going to result in the wrath of God. Why? Because our God is holy. You know what the scripture says? Our God is a consuming fire. And he will not forever allow such sin, rebellion, and wickedness to exist. His holy wrath will fall. He will make all the wrong right. And when he does, he will divide the sheep and the goat. There is a judgment coming. And those who continue to reject Jesus and the kind grace and overture of God will spend eternity in torment, never fully realizing 
that their torment is their own fault. They will resist God even in eternal hell. By the way, God will be there. Why? Because God is omnipresent. God is everywhere. And even there in eternal torment, people will curse God. They will blame God. They will spend eternity with clenched teeth and a raised fist. This is their eternal fate. Now that's bad news. And that's why Jonah went to Nineveh and he said, you have 40 days. And I know that may seem so strange to you, especially if you're new to church and our culture thinking, wait a minute. That, that's, I mean, like, is, is, is he a pessimist? Is Jonah just in a bad mood? No. L- listen to me very, very carefully. That proclamation of the gospel, that, that proclamation of the bad news is all designed to get people to the good news. Because, listen, any time we share honestly about what's coming, it is a means of grace to try to get people to understand that there is a judgment coming. Right, The wrath of God is going to be poured out. Listen, the bad news has a motivation to ultimately get people to the good news. And this reality proclaimed in our world, just like it was proclaimed in Nineveh, listen to me carefully, is a means of grace. The fact that Nineveh got to hear that message and they were given an opportunity to respond is grace. You know who did not get that opportunity? Sodom and Gomorrah. And so don't look at Jonah's preaching as somehow like it's mean, spirited, or it's, it's, it's just pessimistic. No, it's grace. God is giving these people an opportunity to respond to the good news. How? By contemplating the depth, the gravity of the bad. Our world needs that right now. Our world needs us graciously, but firmly, soberly, but with compassion and conviction to, 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 to call sin, sin, and, and, and to communicate the, the, the absolute desperation that, that, that exists in the world today, that every single person that fails to bow the knee, to turn from their sin and to accept the grace and forgiveness of Jesus is under the wrath of God. And it's not mean or pessimistic to say those things. It's grace. Because we seek to give people an opportunity to respond to the good news while there is still time. And the good news is good because the bad news is really, really bad. Listen, there are people even in the context of evangelicalism today who believe in annihilation theology, which means, well, you know, those who are judged are ultimately just annihilated. They will no longer exist. I want you to listen to me very, very carefully. That is not taught in the scriptures. And anyone who's serious about the message of the New Testament would not believe in annihilation theology. Let me tell you what Jesus taught us, that everyone lives forever somewhere, either in torment or in glory. And the good news that we have, and the good news with which Jonah went to Nineveh, is that there is a way of escape. There is a way to avoid this judgment. 
And it's all focused on Jesus who, listen to me, for every child of God took the full venting of God's wrath for our sin upon himself. That's the good news. And so listen to me, Bell Shoals. The reason we have Go 2030, the reason we're planning a campus in Riverview here in a couple months, which I'd love for you to stop by our, our, our Riverview area and, and inquire how you can be plugged in and involved and taking the gospel to Riverview. Listen, the reason we support missionaries, the reason we're sending out men and women all around the world is because we have the only good news that can remedy the bad news. And we have an obligation and a privilege to share it because God works his perfect will through imperfect people. You say, well, I don't know that I could answer every question. You don't have to answer every question. There are people in your life who can help you answer these questions. You say, well, I don't know that, that people would listen to me. Well, I don't know that Jonah thought Nineveh was gonna listen to him. We're not responsible for the saving. We're only responsible for the sharing. But let me tell you why we are doing what we're doing here at Bell Shoals. Because we have the only good news that is the antidote to the bad news. And if we don't share the good news, then people don't escape the bad news. And so we're going to keep doing what we're doing. Boldly, compassionately, graciously to get the good news to people who desperately need it while there is still time. Because their eternity is at stake. You see, God does his perfect work through imperfect people. <laughs> he's a God of second chances. He's, he's a God who, who uses the bad news and the proclamation of the bad news to get people to the good news. Because lastly, just, just check this out, okay? Because our God redeems the unredeemable. He redeems the unredeemable. This is what God does. And, and we're gonna see this next week as we wrap up the series. But listen, this, this is what irks Jonah because Jonah knows this. And Jonah, as we'll see next week, doesn't want these Ninevites saved. Jonah doesn't want to share eternity with the Assyrian people because the Assyrian people are being raised up actually to be a people who in some form or fashion bring the judgment of God on Israel, right? Historically, that's what God does. But in this moment in time, God is going to get the good news to Nineveh, to the Assyrians, and he's gonna save some people. And, and what we see is when they hear this message of the bad, it does indeed draw them to the good. And God brings revival to this great city that takes three days to journey through. And, and when he does, he reminds us, Jonah knows this, that's why he didn't wanna go in the first place, that our God redeems unredeemable people. Here's what happens. Let me wrap up with this. Look at this beginning there in, in verse six. Now, when the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down. This goes all the way to the king. People are so upset all across the city. It gets to the king and he stepped down from his throne. He took off his royal robes. He dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. And then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even animals from the herds and flocks may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. And when God saw that what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he did indeed change his mind and he did not carry out the destruction that he had threatened. And let me just pick it up right there. I just want you to understand there's two sides to the same coin anytime we proclaim the bad news. Listen, it's implicit that anytime judgment is proclaimed, that the bad news is shared, that if people turn from their sin and they turn to God, they will be forgiven. So let me say it to you this way. God did not change his mind here as we change our minds. 
This is language on a human level to help us understand the dynamic of God here. Let me show you Jeremiah 18, 7 and 8. Here's what the scripture says. If I announce, this is talking, of course, the Lord saying this, uh, talking about the Lord. If I announce that a certain nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down and destroyed, but then that nation renounces its evil ways, I will not destroy it as I had planned. Listen, anytime the bad news is shared, it's shared with the hope that people will answer and respond to the good news. And so there's not like God changed his mind as if he didn't know what was gonna happen. No, he sent Jonah to Nineveh because this is precisely what he planned to happen. And it's a reminder to us that God's mercy is to all people in all places at all times and that that God redeems even the unredeemable when the good news is proclaimed. So let me, let me tell you how that I'll give you encouragement today that as you share your story and you share your testimony and you give to the work of missions and ministry at Bell Shoals and you support missionaries all across the world and you sign up for a mission trip or team this summer and, and you share your faith, here's the hope that you have. The power of the gospel always does its work. And you are an imperfect messenger, just like Jonah was, but God's perfect work always happens through imperfect people to whom he gives second chances. And as we share both the good and the bad, we pray that God would use the, the, the full proclamation of our gospel to bring, yes, even some unredeemable people to himself, because that's what God does. That's why Paul said in Romans 1, Listen, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation. Notice here, if you, if you go back earlier in chapter three, that the people responded not to Jonah, but to God. Did you notice that? They didn't respond to Jonah. The scripture says that as he proclaims this bad news, they respond to the good news. And it says explicitly there that they respond to God. Because when you share God's word and you share your story of salvation and you talk about the work of Jesus in your life and you invite others to be saved, when you just do what God has gifted you to do, saved you to do, commissioned you to do, listen to me so carefully, listen to me. God will use you because the power of salvation does not reside in you. It resides in the good news that you possess and share. No disrespect to Jonah, because we're going to meet one day in the eternal state. So he might have to forgive me for this, but I just want to go ahead and say it. If God can use Jonah, he can use you. This dude strolls into Nineveh after spending three days and three nights on the belly of the fish because he was so rebellious. And, and I, I'm not fully convinced he even wanted to be in Nineveh. I think he's doing it because he knows if he doesn't, there's another fish waiting on him. And I'm also not fully convinced that there wasn't a little bit of like, just sicko pride saying 40 days judgment's coming. I mean, I can't, I, I'm not even sure his motivations were in the right place when he went and preached the message to begin with. But yet God brings revival. He, he redeems these unredeemable people because the power of the gospel does not reside in Jonah. It resides in God, right? <laughs> and, and that's true of you and me. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to say, I've talked to people say, well, I don't say, I don't speak very well. Neither did Moses. Now, I got news for you. Whether a person is eight or 92, the Lord can still bring them to salvation. We've seen that today. 
and in your family and in your workplace and in your community, I just want you to understand something. God has saved you, filled you with his Holy Spirit, gifted you and commissioned you to be a witness for him. He does his perfect work through imperfect people. He gives us second and third and fourth and fifth chances, right? And, and it all happens as we're honest about the good news and the bad news. And we're faithful to just highlight what only God can do for us. And when we do that, I want you to listen to me. God will redeem some unredeemable people. And that's what our nation needs. That's what we need. We need the gospel. We need to understand that the only thing in all the world that can bring us to a place of hope and healing living life to the fullest is the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ and the will of God for our families. That's, that's what our world needs more than anything else. I often feel the weight of my imperfection, but I know this, that God does his perfect work through imperfect people. And as we're faithful to the gospel, and we're faithful to the word and we're faithful to God's will and we're faithful to God's design, he's gonna work in a powerful way. This is what God does. And I wanna encourage you in that to continue to be faithful because I believe that God is not done with our nation yet. He's not done with our city. If he were, we wouldn't be here. And there might be somebody in your life today that you think, I don't know that God could save him. I don't know. Keep praying for him. Keep sharing with him as you have opportunity wisely, carefully. Because I believe that there are a lot of Apostle Pauls out there People we look at and say, there ain't no way that person's ever coming to Jesus. Next thing you know, God's performed another miracle. That's why Jonathan Edwards in 1741 preached what is now maybe the most famous sermon on the other side of the um, Sermon on the Mount. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. You know what Jonathan Edwards did? He went to a small little church in Enfield, Connecticut. You know what the church was known for? A bunch of rebellious, prideful people. Now, if you're new to church, I, I, I've heard of that type of thing happening. I don't know if I, you know, it's just, apparently this was the case. 1741, there's this small little church in the middle of nowhere and the people were just kind of hard-hearted, ran off a bunch of their pastors, all this stuff. Just the church had a bad reputation. Jonathan Edwards came in there. He preached really a half of a verse of scripture, Deuteronomy 32, 35. You know what it, that, that scripture says? In due time, their feet will slip. <laughs> Jonathan Edwards went into this little church and he said, I don't care about the attitude of these people. I'm going to come and preach the word. And he went in there to these people and he preached Deuteronomy 32, 35. In due time, your feet are going to slip. Here's what he said. The God that holds you over the pit of hell, much as one holds a spider or some loathsome insect over the fire, he abhors you. He's dreadfully provoked. His wrath towards you burns like fire. He looks upon you as worthy of nothing else but to be cast into the fire. He is a purer eyes than to bear to have you in his sight. You are 10,000 times so abominable in his eyes as the most hateful venomous serpent is in ours. I don't think John Edwards is gonna sell very many books with his message. He continued. You have offended him infinitely more than ever a stubborn rebel did his prince. And yet tis nothing but his hand that holds you from falling into this fire. 
every single moment. Tis to be ascribed to nothing else that you did not go to hell the last night, that you, you were to suffer and awake again in this world after you closed your eyes to sleep. There is no other reason to be given why you have not dropped into hell since you arose in the morning, but that God's hand has held you up. But Jonathan Edwards said, but in due time, your feet will slip. <laughs> All right, thanks for coming, everybody. Appreciate you. <laughs> be encouraged and be blessed, right? No. As Jonathan Edwards was preaching that now famous sermon, it was not famous then. No one, no one knew of it. But people, these hard-hearted, rebellious people sitting there begin to wail, cry out. They told him to stop describing their situation. Actually, their pastor had to get up and calm them and say, no, let the man finish this sermon. He did, and the rest is now history. The Lord brought a great awakening. How did God bring it? Through a proclamation of the bad news. But the bad news only paved the way for the good news because, of course, Jonathan Edwards ultimately pointed people to the shed blood of Jesus on the cross who took the wrath of God in our place so that we no longer have to dangle over the fires of hell. Now we can be comforted in the arms of God. This is the good news. And God's going to continue to work as long as we're faithful to reclaim both the good and the bad to get the gospel to people while there's still time. And I just want you to know this is what Bell Shoals is all about. And so let's continue to be faithful. Let's honor the Lord. Let's live for his glory. And I know God will continue to do great things.